Should we pop this? Well, first, you have to tell me what it is. Oh. It just looks like a fancy bottle. And you yes. normally, like last time you brought a, an entire suitcase, I, I did. tell people, yep. that opened up and instead of like gun holsters in there, you had bottle holsters. The bottle holsters, yeah. yeah and, for and then we give tequilas. you the gun after you have all the bottles, <laughs> right. so it's helpful. That's what I needed. This is my favorite tequila. It's called Tapatio Excelencia. Now, every tequila has a nom. See that nom right there? Yeah. And that tells you what distillery it's made at. So this one happens to say somewhere here, it should say La Altina, somewhere around. Yeah, La Altina, right there. Yep. So this is a distillery that-, that makes a variety of bands. They make Ocho, they make a few other tequilas. Some tequilas are made in factories where they take the same stock Blanco or Reposado or Añejo or Extra Añejo that is uh, made to a baseline standard and then they blend it with agave spirits or variations and they make different flavors. They put a label on it, the Kardashians sell it, and then we all drink it and think it's the best thing ever because we don't know anything. This is truly aged. It's one of the oldest tequilas. I believe it's eight years. Um, there's only been two batches that have ever come out. It is unobtainium. It's unobtainium because I bought every bottle left in the world. So Are you really? It, oh yeah. yeah you, you would have a hell of a time. I don't know where this one came from. This one was US sourced. I bought them in Europe, in Mexico. I've gone nuts. The aftermarket is, has like gone um, this was like this was is that originally, like a bottle of Pappy now or something. It is. This was a hundred and forty dollar bottle. I just looked right before I came here. I just happened to look, and Fruit Bat was selling it for eleven hundred thirty nine. The same bottle, eleven hundred thirty nine dollars. That was one hundred thirty eight. So that you want to crack that? Hell yeah. Well, then yeah. let's get after it. Yeah, it's, you'll love it. This is this. Thanks for the cup. If you're if you're a bourbon tard, you will no longer be a bourbon tard. I'm actually. Um, I've really gotten into my tequilas lately, and I I haven't drank in as much in the last four or five months because. I've learned that there's something like I'm allergic to the alcohol. Like I break out in nudity and then sometimes <laughs> handcuffs, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I'm trying my best to drink less of it, yeah. but I've never had such a fancy bottle. Good start. I'm going to wait for you. In a quantum loophole cup, of course. Yeah, man. I am, um, I'm fascinated to keep going down this pipe when you're done because I'm trying my best to shit. You know, to keep my mouth shut. Give it. Cheers to the quantum. Salute, man. Salute. Congratulations for your guys' success. Thank you. I'm not even a little surprised. I, I actually want to learn more about what it is that you see this becoming, because I do think over time as an outlier, when in the right position to effectively drive that amount of change, you have the ability to move the average up, which means it could change the industry. And everything that we were talking about is how our industry doesn't, like our industry changes because of every other industry, I think is probably where I got lost. But I, what I'm really trying to say is we have the ability with this industry to change humanity. And that that's what I was telling Christian. He's like, you know, poking me like, what's this about? I'm like, look, this is about changing society, humanity, community, everything. Mm -hmm. And what I meant by that was on a selfish level, you know, I love data centers, you know this, but I really love helping my fellow veterans get jobs when they leave the military. So that like every opportunity is another void that I get to fill with another one of them. All, although simultaneously I'm pot committed to the fight of what's going on in this industry, the challenges with the supply chain, silver tsunami, power, whatever it is. And I want to help advocate for those on those platforms we have our conference in this and my thing is is i think that you're halfway there right it does require someone with a few money who is an industry disruptive change agent someone that could go in and inject an idea that everyone says is impossible and then that changes the entire industry right a much like what elon did with you know paypal and and that almost turning into its own currency right but he changed the finance space changed automotive. There's not a manufacturer that doesn't have an EV model of some kind right now, right? I'm, yeah. Does McLaren make an EV? No, they make hybrids. Okay, well, so there the you go. But they're, the P1 hypercar was a hybrid. The Artura is a hybrid. Um, they're faster? Are those faster? Uh, they're actually, they're faster because of your baseline speed, right? When you hit, just like electric, if you were in a Tesla, um, called, you know, in insane mode or whatever else, a plaid Tesla, and then you, you floor it, it, it'll actually make you sick. It's so fast, right? It makes your mm. stomach go to the back of your spine. So they yeah, use the electric they, power they the, to, to fill the lag that sits inside turbos. I mean, real nice, huge, it's amazing. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's my favorite. I, I, 
It just occurred to me how smooth that was. Oh, it's just it, it'll it'll if you're bur- like I said, I call, I call bourbon people bourbon tards because they're they're goofy and they're going down the wrong path and like they're drinking their cool. Oh, my friend's got bourbon and I got my best bourbon. And I'm like, you guys are missing the boat. This, this thing is bomb. Actually. You can drink this and not have a hangover tomorrow. You drink. You and I could split this bottle. We'd be wrecked. We'd be slurring, and it'd be really funny. And and we'd definitely be Ubering home, and we'd sleep like a noodle. And we'd wake up tomorrow, and we might feel lethargic, but we wouldn't have a headache. And you do the same thing with bourbon, you'd want to die the next, the next day. day. Yeah, yeah this, I definitely don't This is that. not Cuervo gold that everybody had in college that, you know, that caused, uh, you know, caused convulsions on the floor. Oh. I had that happen. I didn't drink tequila for years. My wife turned me onto it. So I think great. that everyone has to go through that passage where you're drinking Jose Cuervo until you were like, I'll never drink tequila again. Never until tequila. you're an old enough person where you're like, scotch or tequila? I'll try the tequila, I yeah. guess, you know. Yeah. I, I'm a big scotch fan, but obviously- Someone turned me on to tequila about a year ago, and that's all I have. And I went through, I mean, those Clase Azul bottles, you know, like I probably had a couple dozen of them just as- The little ding, ding decorate, bottles. Yeah, yeah that, decorations. That, that's one you've been marketed to, though, I kind of mentioned where- Yeah, you know, the yeah, nom and So what they do is they 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 sweeten it. You know, this one's not sweet at all, right? It's not at all. It's fantastic. When it's sweet, it's because they're they legally allowed. It has to be, it's a tequila must come from Jalisco. It must come from the tequila region. Has to. You can't have an agave plant grown just outside that border. It doesn't qualify. So it'd be a different kind of spirit. A whole it'd bunch be a of whiskey probably. Rac- no, no, it'd be, uh, it'd be a tequila, it'd be an agave spirit. So it'd be a rac- racine or mezcal. Mezcal's amazing. Mezcal, mezcalerias, they make them in these, they're usually little villages and they're smoky. And I love that. I've, I'm a mezcal nut too. But tequila must come from this region. But when you get something like a Clasa Azul, they're selling you a bottle and they are legally allowed to put agave syrup into it. Because it's from that region. As long as that syrup came from, you know, from plants in that region, and they sweeten it. They check because the we 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 chubby Americans. You and I aren't. I'm less chubby because I've been dieting. But sure. but we chubby Americans in this country, are like, yeah, we like our sugar, you know. So yeah, that's what true. they feed to. So that's the difference. This is this is the real deal right here. But you're talking about industry change and having the gumption to do it. So there there's a couple of ways to look at the the. Believe me, the utility- I didn't fast forward you through this, man. Stop. Go back to where you were before we. No, started I, I am. Place. I am. I am. Right. Because it's it, it. I'm stepping right back into it. There are giant the giant utility companies, uh, the Exelons, Dukes, Constellations, Nexteras, so on and so forth. Um, they are very tuned into this and this problem, and they're talking to all of the hyperscalers and data center providers and technology, everybody's, and trying to figure out how to develop energy in partnership with them to produce this. So you're going to see a lot of, I think, in the future, a lot of microgrids, meaning non-grid interconnected. And we talked earlier about the battery side, but truly non-grid interconnected power production on or adjacent to the campus is being built for data centers. Now, I don't know what scale. It might be a 100 megawatt uh, peaker type turbine or something like that, or it might be maybe somebody goes big dog and does 500 megawatts, or maybe they get gigawatt scale. I just don't know. But that is definitely going to come, and the, it's going to be the end users driving it. Now, what you've also seen is Microsoft is very visibly hiring nuclear engineers. I saw that. Yeah. So that means you know they're going to make that investment. Now, now, again, mark my words, it's 10 years out. Even if you went with a traditional approved reactor, let alone, oh, I didn't even touch on molten salt reactors or or helium reactors or you know or or you know all these different ones that are coming out. I would not try the new. I wouldn't go with the like you said. I would go with things that have been tried and true already. Yeah, and I mean, I came from a submarine background where. It, I know it's possible to live safely next to a reactor. You and Dan Golding too. <laughs> right. Well, there's a, oh yeah. He's Dan, a nuclear engineer. You know what? So he was a uh, instructor, I think at power school. Mm-hmm. So um, my thing is, is we know it's safe. There's, you're not hearing stories about American nuclear. There's been three accidents, three mile Island, human error. But it wasn't an accident. That's well, like it, saying that it, when, the, well, there, when there, the UPS fails on a data center and it goes into discharge and it transfers to something else, like that's not, it's the way it's designed to be, right? And isn't Three Mile Island still operating? I believe that there all was- All I'm saying is there was no, there was- There, there it, was, there all was- All the containment- The radioactive gas is released. We everything didn't have a worked. meltdown. Yeah. You're right. Everything yeah. worked by the design. It was designed for not have a catastrophic meltdown and it didn't have one. So yeah. I'm like, everything worked by the design. So it was not a failure. At the exact same time, the exact same time Three Mile Island happened, which is the first big accident in the world. In the world, right? There, there were small it was lab a accidents. Secondary coolant water leak, I think, right? Right, exactly. Well, they 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 thought they thought there was water. They thought there was too much water in when they they were getting incorrect readings from bad valves and gauges and things like that. You think about the reactors, and they were very manual. They're, that that actually um, preceded a huge amount of change around automation and simplification. That was it. 
if you look at the nuclear rooms of the past, and we'd have a actually had a, like a, a a hexagon with all the different rods in it, and literally sitting there. So I brought you a cap, so just in case for for, your, for the childlike self in you, um, like I said. Um, so, the, and you could actually see all the rods there and it was just, there were so many lights that it was a flood of information at the exact same time. Three mile Island happened. Three mile Island happened. You had the China syndrome movie came out. Oh yeah. yeah I with, mean, it was horrible. Yeah. With, uh, uh, Jane Fonda, Jane Fonda and, yeah, all and then all the so, concerts that followed. Yeah. So the next, <coughs> the next, um, the next reactor accident was Chernobyl and that was, that was a real problem. That was pure human error. Absolutely pure human error. There, if you watch the movies and shows, they're like that was impossible. That can't happen. But the the arrogance they shouldn't have been doing what they were doing. They, they should definitely have been. been testing the way that they're testing. Yeah. And that one, that one is a full. That was a full meltdown. I mean, absolutely catastrophic, and and destroyed the area for years. So then, um, and then the next one was Fukushima, which was natural disaster, right? And and nobody could have anticipated that. You know, they had but all these safety features. From Fukushima, did they? Oh, lots of people. It's the people who went in, who actually, so who dealt with the aftermath. There's people who they 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 are dead now. Oh yeah, there's some people who died. They're yeah, absolutely. They went in and actually sacrificed themselves to do they that probably, stuff. They probably but, the older people, so they can. That's their but culture. The long term contamination, the release of all of this, you know, radioactive water into the ocean, which dissipates it. Now you have to remember. Um, the ocean is an interesting thing. I'm a surfer. I love the ocean. It's it's given me amazing things in my life, including including the potential for skin cancer because I spent all my it'll time. It'll rot wood. It'll stuff. rust iron. It could do it all. It can right. do it all. But what's interesting about the ocean is that um, the Chinese have just developed a process to extract uranium out of the ocean. There's more uranium in seawater than there's anywhere in the terrestrial sites that we mine in in the country today or anywhere else. So they're just, you know. Is that if, interesting? I mean, I wonder if the juice is worth the squeeze, right? You're talking well, about it, discharge. Economically, it's not there yet, but but they'll 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 what they're trying to do is to have not have a reliance on Russia or the U.S. or anywhere else that actually has large deposits, right? So yeah. of terrestrial deposits. Um, and in the U.S., of course, we're trying to you know, excise ourselves from any Russian supply, particularly refined from uranium two thirty five to uranium two thirty eight. They're doing all the refining and then giving us that end state material. Um, what What's interesting when you look at those those three accidents is is I, I would probably say the worst is Chernobyl because of the effect. No doubt. And that came down to- That changed everybody's optics too. It did. And it came down to the Russians hiding it because the, you know Fukushima was very vis visible and exploded and that was awful. Um, but it was nobody's fault. You know, uh, uh, nobody could anticipate the tsunami. It was terrible, and and the economic impact was brutal. And who could have known that? Chernobyl was pure idiocy. And and when you uh, so my ex wife was Hungarian. When she was in school, then they weren't told about it. They were part of the Soviet yeah, Union, that. right? Yeah, yeah. They weren't told. They Why were eating they fruits and vegetables as the dust clouds were coming over, and you know, and everything Bananas. else. And, now, now the long-term effects of that massive cancer rates and all these different things. Now, then there's the global cancer rates from nuclear testing that we did. That that shit's bad. That's a different monster altogether. Terrible. I don't know, not just the the fallout of people's personal health from the tests and all the actors that were you know filming movies in the areas in which those tests have been done. But what was that impact? On, I mean, is that measurable? But but on the like the ozone layer as an example, right? I, I mean, like I don't think it affects ozone layer, but it, it global warming from nuclear reactor or nuclear I, weapon. I mean, it could have been dust that's stayed in the stratosphere, things like that. There's, uh, you know, I know that there's a huge business mining metal, um, and there, there's actually piracy. You're not supposed to touch ships where where certainly you know, there's fallen soldiers that are under the ocean. There's treaties around this, yet you have ships going out and going through and all of a sudden these these you know they're going out to divers are going out or they're going out to research the ship and do something and it's gone they're like what happened because these vessels are going out and mining that metal because it has no radioactive isotopes in it metal anywhere else that's from our post-nuclear era has has radiation in it so it doesn't work with medical instruments and a lot of other things for so real that, i oh, didn't yeah, know any of that this. metal is super valuable because it's steel Untainted. from it's been below the ocean from before we were testing so it's and blowing up nuclear bombs it's just that you know luckily you know, like if you look at the reactors doing it like in livermore the the fusion reactor there was designed Really, literally, not to create energy, but to test nuclear explosions by taking two, you know, gigajoules of electricity 
into these lasers, which is like the whole grid, but in, you know, focus in these lasers to ignite and create a plasma fusion situation to understand nuclear explosions in theory and testing without actually blowing them up, doing any underground testing or anything else. So, which is awesome. And there should be no more testing because it, it destroys the world from a cancer perspective, who the hell knows, you know, because the data, you know, that from before and after is, is muddy. But, you know, certainly I think we've had an accelerant of cancer rates around that and things like that. Going back to the reactor side, traditional reactors like the like a, a 300 reactor, Rolls-Royce's reactor. So GE Hitachi or, or Westinghouse or Rolls-Royce, kind of the dominant reactor producers that I would rely on are all going to be pressurized water reactors. Next gen reactors, I would say they're 20 years out in reality. Um, the testing's being done. It's all there. There might be small scale things, but for our scale, which is truly... It, which never was in our thought process, gigawatt, gigawatt, like who would ever think gigawatt, right? But that is really where everything's going. We're, we're certainly oh, the yeah. first. And, and you know, certainly there's other people coming out of the woodwork doing same things that we're doing. It's they're they're definitely trying, look, everybody's going to try to take a plage out of your playbook. The first sure. one through the wall is the bloodiest because you have to deal with all the lessons learned from the authority having jurisdiction locally to whatever the neighbors are going to think and whatever yeah. the regulation is. But, you know, there's so many things that you're flushing out you're ringing out the systems. Absolutely. Okay. And then others, the second iteration is always faster, whether it's those that were copying you and are going to plagiarize and pick up where you left off or take a page out of that book at least. But at least, I mean, no one's going to be able to do it as fast and agile as you can again, because you're, that's still there first, right? You, no matter what you tell them, I mean, the first time you cook anything, you're going to burn something, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. So you're, you know, the more proficient you get at it, because the more you do it and you have a huge canvas. But I do believe that that model is what we're going to. I think that that's the model that makes the most sense. Mm -hmm. I think the only thing that's different, and I didn't realize with what you were doing, was to create a fully, you're creating a a, a major campus, a purpose-built campus, master-planned to support gigawatts of end user capacity from operators or enterprise end users. And at the same time, you know, you obviously have to be careful about the ripple effect you have on the ecosystem that is in orbit of you because you will be a massive generation of jobs and tax and, and money for the, you have an impact on the community. Well, look, look, imagine this, this table here was yeah. our campus. Right. And it was in Ashburn. Now, if I said, I said, and, and our campus was 2000 acres and I said, Hey, I want you to take, you know, out of your 2000 acres, take 500 acres and make it parks. What would you say to me? You'd be like, you're crazy. That's like gold. There's no way. Yeah. We, we have almost 500 acres of green space and parks and trails through the campus yeah. that are designed to be a community. Like literally think about it, like developing a beautiful master planning community. It'll be like a walking plan. So absolutely. absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So trails and it's going to connect Adamstown, which is the, which is, you know, it, you have Adamstown and Carrollton Manor and all these different things, which are very tied to our declaration of independence. If you think about the names sure. I'm saying, that's the history around there in Maryland just to the south and they have no bike pass or anything connecting up to the city of Frederick North. So we're the first part of that catalyst to connect it. I mean, that we firmly believe in that. We firmly believe in tying together the community. That's the that's a huge difference. Um, I don't- You're purposing a distressed asset in that community is already the first difference. Absolutely. And the worst thing that could have happened, uh, it's been interesting meeting with neighbors. First, first they were received with suspicion. Then, 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 then we had some, as we're developing this and going through our growing pains problems. And then, then we had to do a lot of community reach out to, Hey, we're just, you know, us and who we are personally meeting everybody go doing, sitting in houses where 20 neighbors came together, just 20 neighbors. But that was really important. And we do that over and over and over again. We're hiring locally, doing all this stuff because community outreach is everything. But understanding we're good people who care about the environment and are trying to do things differently than what they might see down in Loudoun County. Um, not that Loudoun County is totally bad. Some projects are great. Some are bad. You know, that's growing pains of the industry. I don't know of anybody else doing what we're doing in core internet exchange markets at the scale we're doing it at, because it's immensely hard to find the gold in those markets. That Plus, are, that you're all, that's also where you go the deepest at, probably. I mean- Because of my network experience. Right. Yeah. I, that's your secret sauce, probably for you, right? It, it, it helps. We, we, have, we have really core energy talent. Um, we have- core land talent to understand entitlement and sewage and water and all those it, it's pain in the butt stuff you don't think about but it's truly necessary and, and it it is much more difficult at scale 
geographic adjacency to the internet exchanges, that's where that's where the network team comes in and we're, we're unrivaled. Um, and that's just a history of building those things. And you know, it, it also comes into the fact that our team is so from the industry that when we pick up the phone, the hyperscalers answer. They want to be a part of us because they, they yeah, trust they know us. what you're doing. Our, our single flaw is we have one site. So, you know, until we get other sites, you know, so if I call that hyperscale and they're like, nah, Maryland's not for us. We're good there. They're, they're immediately not a customer. Well, that sucks. So I need to start thinking about having other markets so I can say, okay, now, you know, I have this market, this market, and this market. Here's Maryland. Doesn't work for you, but here's those other three. And, and here's our timeline to deliver that. And either you can, you can be under the covers and know what we're doing. You can sign a letter of intent. You can joint venture with us. You can co-develop. We'll sell you the land. We, you know, we're, we're this open menu because we do, we're a wholesaler to wholesalers. We, you know, unless somebody physically built a campus right next door to me that was very similar, I would have a competition, but right now I could say I have no competition. Now you're founding a niche, right? So that's different when you're a pioneer or something. Look at, uh, you know, there's a Tesla, but there's an electric vehicle for everything. Doesn't mean necessarily Tesla's always... What I'm saying is you can still have that first mover's advantage even when the market, that market won't be saturated with competitors for you for five years. Probably yeah. because because it's nothing we do is fast. When I, when, even when I first raised capital, my own and then friends, and then we raised capital with TPG, who's been a great partner. Um, everything's a very, we're going to, we're generate, we're, we're way ahead of our plan, but uh, when I think about something like California and I say, Hey, I'm going to go deploy, let me, let's say, let's just say for kicks, I'm do 5,000 acres in California, It'd probably be multiple sites, but 5,000 acres total. And I'm going to link it with a massive, amazing fiber ring. And, and I'm going to tie it into the ecosystem, do everything that we do so well. And we're able to, and, and fiber rings are two to 3 million a mile. I mean, these we're built, we build at such a massive scale. So we do all that kind of stuff and we enable it with grid power probably never get production in a state like California. When I go to my capital partners, I'm like, because of CEQA approval and because of uh, because of the difficulties, and even though we're, we might be creating a new economy around what we're trying to do, particularly, I'm probably looking at 10 years till you get a return. Incredibly hard. If I did the same thing in, in Texas, I could get entitlement in 90 days. Um, I could I could be turning, I mean, within the first year of acquiring a gigantic parcel, I can be turning dirt and getting ready to enable it I mean, I'm already doing transactions and sales and it's- You pre-lease half that campus or not wild. half it. Well, we don't lease, we that, sell, yeah. we sell. So we're, we literally, like if you were hyperscaler A, B or C and you said, I need 500 acres and 500 megawatts, um, that I probably be much less acreage and 500 megawatts these days, but let's say 200 acres and 500 megawatts, um, then I will sell you that piece of land. You will pay me a premium because I have entitled it. I've put in sewage, water, campus-wide fiber conduits, maybe, and depending on the market, I built to the internet exchange with a duct bank that's unrivaled in scale, like we did in between Ashburn and our campus in Maryland. It's the biggest ever built, ever, 34 two-inch ducts. I mean, we could do 235,000 strands of fiber. It's They could run the world's internet many times over. So we put all that stuff together. You'll, you go and pay me a premium and you build your data centers or your hyperscaler A, B, or C. And you're like, Hey, I'd like to, I'd like, you know, I'm busy. My teams are slammed or deploying all over the world. Can you build a powered shell? I'm like, okay, we'll do that for you. you know, we'll do all kinds of co-development stuff. We're, we're simply a, a wholesale transaction engine to facilitate rapid deployment of cloud, AI, government stuff, enterprise. We don't care. We're ambivalent. We just do that infrastructure piece. That's, that's our piece of the pie that we play in. So, uh. Yeah, I think that that's the next level up, right? That's un that's an unserved area of the market that really you're making the job easier for those enterprise end users or those operators mm -hmm. to discover you're doing a lot of the pick and axe work for them, right? So I think I think that I understand exactly what you're doing. I was I was talking about like I could see it actually evolving to where I could see like a snow a town is called Snowhorn is the town it's two thousand acres and there's schools and I mean it has its own little ecosystem its own grocery stores we, movie we legally could be a city that's what I'm in saying the state of Maryland because it's based on acreage yes we li literally in that I don't know about Texas yeah he or lives others, in Snowhorn now that's yeah like, like, does, does that make sense snowhorn. I'm like when fun. is that happening when do I get to hear about this I, I actually always want it's funny because there's a there's a ski resort that I, I read a story about and some Somebody bought it and it was called Powderhorn. I'm like, oh, so close. Is it just <laughs> called Snowhorn? I should have gone for that. Yeah, yeah. You know? I'm just saying like, 
I'd like to see you make a town in Texas called Snowhorn one day. I mean, here in Texas, don't go to Colorado to make it cool. Like, but whenever right you do that, you look at history. Like, like even uh, it, there's a lot of car companies where car, the car guy would name the company after himself, and investors are like, ugh, not another car company named after the guy, yeah. you know, because because it becomes. While, while that tends to be what happens, just the nature of the car business, I love McLarens. Bruce McLaren founded McLaren. Yeah. You know, Ferrari founded Ferrari. You know, you get you, this all Rolls Royce was, you know, two different folks, Rolls and Royce, right? Mm -hmm. All these different things that come along. Um, but, but there, there's, uh, and there are data center companies named after people in our industry. Maybe. Yeah. You know, I, I, you know, I love John. He's a great guy. And that's great. You know, I don't think John ever, he, if you look at his organic history, he never intended to be this guy with data centers all over the country. He had one site that happened to work and yeah. okay, let's call it Sabi, you know? And, you know, one of our investors is Tom Natelli who develops Natelli Communities. That's great. The company's named after that. Um, I've never worked for a company. You don't want a town with your name on it though? That's still like, I, I don't know. That's pretty gangsta. That's, My, it's you ga seem... There's gangsta and there's gangsta and there's ego. Yeah, I don't know. No, man. You I'm could happy. go punk rock with that. You could even paint like one pinky tail. You know what I'm saying? Like you could have one thing be like, it's my town. Is there a problem with this? Yeah. You got any problem with it? Yeah. yeah. I'm the mayor. You, go so, away. So, yeah. so let's talk about, uh, we have a long time, not a long time, but we have time, but we agree that nuclear will be what we evolve into next. And it's an untenable solution. Uh, we can't scale. We can't support clouds demand of adoption yet. So I'm not as worried about AI because I'm like, go nuts. But the amount of power necessary to support the full liberation of what we would want to expect as consumers from AI requires a shit ton more sustainable power than we could offer. Mm -hmm. So until we fix the power problem, and it's going to take someone like an Elon, it's going to take an, a disruptive change agent who uh, is like, oh, I, you, we can't do that. That you're telling me that that's not what we can do. All right, we'll hold my we'll beer. It happen, yeah. right? Does that make sense? The guy was like, "What do you mean I can't go give you know internet to everybody? I'm going to put some satellites up. What do you mean I can't go? I can fuck you. Watch, it. I'm going to SpaceX. You know, or yeah. you know, I mean, like he just needs to like this needs to be his next Twitter. This industry needs to be David versus Goliath, and this industry is his slingshot opportunity to go tell the the we. We come from an economy that was predicated on oil and oil produces a lot of things that we use that are in this room from all the plastics that we use and the way that we drove here and but all not this glorious to keep. Oh, no, no. But a truck did deliver that probably burning some oil. So, but, yeah. But, but the number one or the most valuable commodity in the world now is data, right? Mm -hmm. And we have in a digital economy and the data centers are uh, prevalent for the last 25 years. And, and there are some people that are aware of it because they have an uncle or a cousin or a brother or their mom or dad was, but like, it's not what kids are going to college and being like, look, when you graduate and you have an engineering degree or a finance degree or whatever it is, like you could go work for one of these things. And you're like- They don't even think about that. Yeah. They don't even think about- Especially the in the networking business. You were talking about a silver, a silver well, those aging- Those are just nerds. Those are psychopaths. It's people just, that get in the cross- I'm one of those psychopaths. I know, that's what but, I'm saying. But, but it's really interesting. So like, you know, I, I've been in this business for 25 years. I founded the Global Peering Forum. 19 years ago. I, I was on the board of it for 18 years. Thank God I'm not anymore. You're on like Nanog and all that stuff too? I, I've, I've, I've hosted more Nanogs than anybody in the history of the world, North American Network Operators Group. I've uh, I, I've been on the program committee. I never served on the board. Um, That's a little more political for my sure. taste. But but yeah, long history with that. And, and ironically, I'm so busy now. I just don't go to Nanogs anymore. I kind of miss my friends there. But when you go there, everybody's graying out and people have retired and passed away and we're celebrating their life afterwards. And I'm like, holy crap. And there's not a lot of new young people coming up. That's what I'm saying. And it's, and it's very, it's, it's this, uh, closed, you know, uh, club where like you can come in and you say the wrong things. And I've literally watched peering coordinators who are very powerful and influential turn their backs on somebody. It's like the mafia. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, he's not a friend of ours or a friend of theirs or, you know, the usual mafia terms yeah. that you hear, you know, it's wild. Very few young people come in and, and want to come up in that ecosystem. Of course. At the same time with the peering and interconnection of the internet, you have uh, the inter the peering and the, the interconnection between eyeball networks or content and eyeballs was was driven by uh, by the high cost of transit and being able to economize their networks and get better performance between them to deliver your bits. Um, what the problem you have now is you, you see it with all the carriers, the cost of transit has gone down to microcents. 
the you know you have folks like Lumen and others who are absolutely struggling, and the biggest carrier in the world, right? That's an amalgamation of Quest and Level Three and all the other previous carriers. The economy of peering is turning into a, a traffic efficiency exercise, and it's actually become very automated. So the peering coordinators of the world that manage that, that did the handshake deals, it's really hardly any contracts on a spreadsheet or a, I called it one beer, two beer, three beer peer. You get a little drunk and you're like, okay, I'll interconnect with you. Um, and doing it across multiple exchanges, it's really changed. And that's why you won't see a lot of new internet exchanges. You might see small ones in in edge markets, but no big giant ones. It's certainly dominated by Equinix now in the US. And you know, it, it's an interesting dynamic that changes things and it's absolutely grayed out or turned into a computer that runs it all. And my God, AI running peering, probably do a better job than a human other than the relationship piece. So it's gonna be interesting wow. dynamic changing. I haven't thought about I'm not scared of AI. Are you? No, not at all. I'm not. I, I do believe that there are some people that probably got involved with some of the coding of AI that don't really love humanity so much. And there could be some challenges we have, but I don't think, I don't think we're going to get to like Terminator stage. I just don't think that we will let that um, resource off the leash yet. I think that we're smart enough or we've seen enough sci-fi movies to really be fucking worried. I, I think so. I'm a, I'm, I consider myself a mega nerd. You know, there's no, I don't think you anybody are. around me would yeah. question that. Yeah, yeah. What's, ding, the, ding. The, the shit that comes out of my brain. Oh, right? for sure. And, and what I've done and experienced and, and built on the internet. I'm, I've, I've become an internet gray hair, you know, and I've, and I've become a mega nerd. Um, I've hardly knowingly use AI. I, I, I've done a few things with some of the different AI engines. It, it's, it doesn't necessitate my life being involved in it. I just don't see it. I and that's as a mega nerd. Stages still, you know? It is, it is. And I, I have doubts about the survival of the economy of AI. The, the, the. Oh, you mean like, a, are you talking about like the metaverse? No, no, just across the board. How do you, if you deploy, if you, if you today, we talked about 10 billion with a nuclear reactor, you deploy a hundred billion in capital associated with data centers and servers and everything else, where, where is the business behind it to really support it? Uh, what I've seen in, in my history of doing this, and I've had a long enough history to see this, I've never seen such a frenetic deployment pace as what's going on now with AI. Crazy. It's awesome for my business. It's awesome for other people in our industry who are, who serve that in some sense or form, but but the fundamental side of it is if you take all of the players, be it a startup or, and lots of dollars going into that, that will, you know, there's gonna be a lot of bubbly dollars going into that. And then the biggest corporations pumping into it that are deploying AI because they have to, because their competitors are, I'm not quite sure they figured out how to really make money around it. Um, and is it gonna affect is their fundamentals? Any, is that, but is that any different in the way that the fiber industry got started too. Well, how much money? Yeah, but how many went, of those? But it went that, bust. It went bust. Not, that okay, is so, that going to happen? But you know, it's, is no, it going? Is this going to be Broadwing or all these other companies? That's that, exactly you know, what I'm saying. I'm like, yeah, yeah bro. It's the, the, some of these companies that started it are going to die, and then someone is going to pick up the ball where they left off and keep running with it, and it's going to keep evolving until it becomes what it is today, which is another utility, yeah. right? I mean. Yeah, people couldn't even imagine being in a home that had no plumbing or no electricity. I don't think that your children or mine could imagine a home without internet, right? Or, mm -hmm. you know, some sort of fiber to it. And are and, we going to imagine it without AI? But, I think I think the AI will be but, invisible to us. But I don't think person, it'll be like, let me reach to the AI. It's just going to be part of I think of it's an algorithm. Do. I think that yeah. AI will be like, yeah. And it's going to tell you, it's just going to do math. And it's going to say like, like, yeah, today, like the company's like, um, all the all the groups that were out on the front edge of fiber that don't even exist today. Mm -hmm. the none, none of them exist today. Okay. So none of the uh, original entities. But the people that were there are now working under another logo or another brand, and they're the ones that made it a third utility. They're the ones that made it to where we couldn't imagine not having it, not alone, let alone would someone one day figure out how to make money off it. But, it, but, but, but th those people that started it, maybe are the ones that wrote it out long enough where it started becoming financially accretive. Do you know why carriers are doing, the, especially long haul fiber providers doing really bad now? Because Meta and Google and Amazon and others are building their own fiber. So what happens if you're if you're Lumen and you've now amalgamated Quest and Global Crossing and Level Three and all the other things that you put together, and and and, uh, and I can't even name the. You have to go on like Wikipedia to figure out all the networks they've amalgamated. 
and and you have you have 19 billion that's the only if somebody told me it's a lot more but i know 19 billion of debt that you have to restructure and everything else because your fundamental underlying business of transport or fiber or long haul everything is being undercut by your own customers who are now just building their own and those guys are now driving everything on the internet and then the cost- does that benefit us as the consumer? Is anything becomes more commoditized? It's we tend to, to us. We don't care, so we, but but we don't see a price change from those carriers well, that are going to have to make up their margins with us. On- let's change the consumer side. So you're, I don't know, who serves your home? Yeah, I don't know, AT and T or okay. I, I unfortunately have Spectrum. Yeah, I spectrum. so I've got Doxis, so okay. which means I, I have spectrum. great download, terrible upload. Yeah, kind of kills me on some calls and things like that. I'm fortunate in my neighborhood because I live in, I live on this airport. Everything's underground. It's awesome. So it's kind of invisible that way. I, there, there was AT&T there, but not gig, gig, you know, gigabit scale stuff that I would want. I would multi-home with my own AS number at my house because the internet is so crucial to me that's there. But you as a consumer buying, I don't know if you have gig at home or something or whatever they might offer in Doxis. Uh, and again, it's not, you know, not two way really truly, but what are you paying 90 bucks a month or something like that? Probably, yeah. You're never going to see the, you're not going to notice it. You'll never see the change. Spectrum as an AS number is, is interconnected to Infomart. Because guess what? All of our traffic in Texas generally will home to Infomart and punt off to a content provider or another eyeball provider. You, you don't care. You know, maybe, maybe Meta builds their own fiber network to Infomart. You know, who gets affected? Maybe AT&T, maybe Verizon, maybe Lumen, you know, yeah, well, CenturyLink's Lumen now, right? It's all been merged into this one entity. You know, so they lose that revenue and then their business is impacted. Now, I, you know, there's a lot of restructuring going on with Lumen right now. Are they going to implode because of the massive amount of debt? It's entirely possible. You know, there's a lot of, you know, their stock is at $1.35. It's the, hasn't been this, like that since like 1984. And it went, it went way below the dollar after their CEO came out and said some things nobody liked. They're doing a, it's they're, ironically, their network is, their network to the home is called quantum fiber or something like that. So everybody, everybody sticks quantum on things. Oh um, yeah. I was in Hawaii. There was a restaurant that was like quantum pokey. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, even there, restaurants are getting down on this name now there, too. There's a quantum fiber network. I just looked, just sent it to my team today. It's from Ohio to Chicago. I'm like, oh, quantum that. Look at that. And then, you know, that that's fine. It, yeah, we don't own quantum. Quantum loophole is a real scientific term. It really means something, but you know, that besides the point, but um, you know, I think these hyperscalers are going to build these networks because they looked at it as being more economical and controlling their own destiny. Why their networks don't pass every home. It's not their point, unless you're Google Fiber, but that's a different business, right? Um, and that's not everywhere. And it's expanding slowly but surely. Google Fiber, of course, hurts things like AT&T and others because they're forced to deploy fiber and compete. It helps the consumer. That's what I was point. trying to get to. So it was really fun. So I, li- I lived in Zilker here in Austin when I when fiber first came to the market. Um, at the time, I'm trying to think of all the names because they've changed now. I don't know the name now, but it was Grande at the time, Google Fiber, AT&T, and there was one other built fiber. I lived at 701 Kinney Ave. So it was right next to Zilker Park. So right in the, we like the first neighborhood hit. Yeah. I had four fiber providers on my street in front of my house. And I had a long keyhole driveway. I used to have half inch hard line from Spectrum. And then I was like, I was like, that thing's done. And, and, and I had to pay for that extra half inch hard line because of the distance and everything because it was copper and and I was just waiting for fiber. So as soon as fiber came about, as soon as Google announced, I called my friend Louis Lee, who you might know, Louis, it's always Louis hat, you know, great buddy of mine. And I'm like, Louis, you're coming to my house first. And nice. you know, first thing I had, I had Google Fiber. And then and then everybody started announcing and they're all on the poles right down my street. I could have multi-homed to four different providers and they had four gigs with four different providers, my own AS number. Imagine that, you know? Yeah. It was, it was pretty cool. I wonder if that would have helped the value. I, you, you sold that whole that house, right? Because that was like yeah, the super that, energy efficient home. That- it, was the, it was the second lead platinum house in the city of Austin. Yeah. It was Austin five-star green, probably 20% premium to build that house to, to hit my it's eco awesome, goals. Though. Yeah. And then divorce happens and yeah. on, on goes the house. And it's a lovely house. The family that bought it, um, uh, they're great. They, ironically, I won't name them because they're private, but they, uh, we, a couple people came by the house. We were selling it privately because that kind of, it was a special house and it was very valuable. And they, I had almost an acre in the middle of Zilker, a block, you know, from Zilker it's Park. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. It's ridiculous. And, and it was a special house. 
But uh, the the third a famous musician came through that will not be named. A bachelor wasn't his house because it was really designed for family and stuff like that. The third family that came along, I'm like, you look really familiar. And you're like, I'm like, where are you from? I'm like, like, well, Vail, Colorado. I'm like, I used to live in Vail. I'm like, what'd you do there? And I won't say what the guy did or what I did. Well, I was a photographer on the ski slope, so I used to see everybody. Uh, way okay. years, year. I was at you know my early twenties, but. Um, but we, I used to see this guy all the time. I'm like, holy crap. I, we, we know each other. It was weird. They're still in that house. And I, I think it's wonderful that they got to congratulations and everything else, but that, that, you know, to enjoy all that. And they're, you know, did it have value to them? Um, you know, it wasn't an internet nerd buying the house, but I'm sure they're pretty happy with their amazing fiber and that must be going down that street. <laughs> I was Maybe like, I had, had something to do with them it. Four gigs into the house, that would have been like some yeah. another way to charge more for the house. So that's a professional podcaster in there, okay? Yeah, I'm not going to sell them my AS number, and I don't think they know how to multi-home on a router and right. do all that kind of Who stuff. Who does? Oh, except for people like you. Yeah. Well, let me say this: um, this power stuff. Are you scared? No, I'm not scared. It's just a challenge. It's um, going to take a lot of work, yeah, man. I, 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 what, the, the only thing that would scare me is the fool, you know, pity the fool, right? Talking about Mr. T. Um, you, you, the fool who comes along and does something terrible for a community or the environment in the interest of a buck. So I think that somebody will do that and it's going to be unfortunate. And I don't know. I think that that's the part of us growing up. I think the part about us growing up means that we will establish, we'll self-regulate or self-govern, I should say, with a higher degree of ethics in what we do. So the that's- ma The mature people in the industry. Well, they're the, they're, we're consolidating and aggregating the market right now. So there, there's gonna be, somebody's gonna come along with some semblance of arrogance and and they're like, they're gonna, you know, excuse my language, everybody's gonna say, fuck the neighbors, fuck everybody. I don't care, there's dollars there. And they're gonna, they're gonna manage to regulatory wise or anything else, shoehorn something in and I, I worry if you ask what scares me. So I'm going to say this. I worry that they're going to taint the industry and in one place, in one location that could taint us everywhere because they view us as this homogenous industry. Parasitic, yeah. And, and you have an industry where, where uh, electricity is flattening the market. So where, where everything was about Ashburn because that's where all the internet traffic was passed and that's where the, your talent was and everything else to deploy. So that's why you scaled there. The headquarters of the largest company in the United States is based there, which is the federal government. Right, right. But but that's just one factor. But then now you're seeing this huge push out to Ohio, um, uh, Missouri. I mean, places where like Mississippi. But nobody, even in those places, it's still going to come down to power. It is. That, well, that, it's all about power is why they're going there. They're going to underutilize grid areas where, where the demand has been sapped and where you have adjacent production and and so what i'm saying is that's flattening the e ecosystem around the country now my business we are very very focused on a low latency approach to the internet exchanges the big ones which are immovable objects that is what we do others will satisfy the demand either hyperscalers or other parties will buy large acreage out there and tap into that power out there and it'll be a different kind of demand. It might be the learning process for an AI engine or something like that, but the production will still have to be next to those internet exchanges. So again, like I said, I think the fifth industrial revolution is designed for us to have a healthier and more harmonious relationships with machines and technology in our lives. I think that our dependency on these machines and the inability for us to support the growth of the adoption rate of emerging technology will force us as consumers to be really smart with how we start utilizing resources and it'll force a lot of innovation. Mm -hmm. And of innovation is only a product of one, in my opinion, two things, pain or constraint, mm -hmm. right? And I think that we can't be a mature industry. I know that you're like, hey man, we are more mainstream, but we're kind of still not, right? And I mean, like, I wish we were too. I think that we're the stepchildren. This is the island of misfit toys for for industry, <laughs> right? Yeah. But it is the wild, wild west. Like the soup is not done cooking. Like this is a blue sky industry. People could mm -hmm. come here and I mean, look, and they could make a difference, right? And And it's, this is not... The one thing about this industry that I've always found fascinating to my advantage was that it, it, this industry doesn't lack intelligence or genius. It lacks a lot of um, courage and leadership. When I say courage, I mean to challenge people. And I think that um, this industry is going to really need an injection of new 
people from the outside looking in that bring passion along with their talent and mm-hmm. could look at these solutions and be like, let me apply a different application to this. And they have the fuck you attitude, which is like, why can't I do that? Cause you're like, oh, that's the way we all, and then you're like, cause you're right. There's always someone that could taint something, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm afraid that as this goes mainstream, someone's an asshole and they, pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered and they do something that harms the community or, and I'm like, I don't, I think that the populace now is growing more sophisticated in some pockets like Virginia, they're armed to the teeth and other markets, they're more aware of this thing. They, they've now used this thing, this rectangle in their hand, and they've used it enough to be like, dude, this stuff goes to them. Where does it go to? Oh, go, what's the name of this? The sky for the cloud? Well, I think I was in the meeting when you, was it you that said no, that? Gary, Gary came up with that. Ah, yeah. I thought it was you. It was the yeah. first person I ever heard. But I tell you, one time I used that without citing it. But from, Gary, so. Gary's on my board. So I'll say, I'll say I invented it. And Gary, he'll just bitch at a board meeting. So there's nothing you can do. Whenever I no, talk to people, Gary. I don't, I say Gary wasn't even there. I was there and Josh said it. No, I'm only joking. But <laughs> um, my thing is it's prevalent. You know, we should, you shouldn't copyright. Cyrus one shouldn't copyright that now because that is a keyword or a tricky phrase that makes the adoption rate of this industry faster and easier to understand. Cause you could understand the sky for the cloud, mm-hmm. right? They're like, dude, that makes a lot of you, sense. You That's- know, you, you know, the cloud you hear, you, you hear it said less and less and less and less. Now all you hear it talked about is a, it, it used to be like AZs, the cloud, we're going to deploy three AZs to meet everybody's standard. Like, yeah, I yeah. honestly, no one's, talk, no one is even scared of cloud anymore. They're not, they're, they don't even just talk about it. They're, it's Josh, all- do you remember the time? I mean, of course you do. Cause you were at uh, Napa of the Americas when like 500 KW was a big deal. Oh yeah. It's huge. hundred KW is a big deal. And, <laughs> and I, now look at what we're talking about here. It's so, retarded. I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell, I'll tell you my first introduction to the cloud. I am um, that way. Uh, what, what was the, oh, what was the company that was doing? Oh my God. I can't remember the software that was like partitioning servers. Oh, early VMware, days. VMware. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so VMware was by by Dell or something. Uh, no, it was the storage EMC. company. EMC bought it. EMC, and then Dell right, bought yeah. EMC. Yeah. So you know that was the first partitioning and slicing and dicing. If you you got soundproofing on your walls, you're thinking about that's like partitioning a server, right? And you think about that, and then you're utilizing every bit of that compute. That was my first semblance of ever hearing about partitioning and and maximizing, oh, yeah. and that was logical. My first taste of the cloud was Joe Minerick. I mentioned him earlier. And and he was he was one of the first Amazon employees building the cloud, a tiny little deployment, a couple hundred kilowatts, like as you talk about. Uh, uh, and and he comes in, he's like he's like you really need to do this deal. And we I remember at the time uh, the lawyer at Terramark, I won't name, was being very resistant to their contract because Amazon is famous for having these brutal contracts. And he was just like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to use fighting tooth and nails. Lawyers doing it's about liability and indemnification, the end state of every legal contract. After you get through all yeah. the FUD, right? That's it. And I remember him getting on the phone with one of the attorneys from Amazon, the first person and only person actually I've known in my life who truly had a photographic memory, who who devastated him. I mean, I I've never seen another lawyer wilt so badly. But you know what? It was the right thing to do, and we got it all done, and we got this contract done. And Joe, who's my personal buddy to, to this day, I don't know how many years I've known. It's been forever now. Uh, we go to races all the time. Is this, drive the, cars. Is this the, photo- the photographic memory friend? No, no, no. I'm that like, was their you need attorney. to hang out with him more, but too. Jo- oh. Joe's the chief operating officer at Databank now. Great guy. Really, somebody should get on the show. Talk okay. about history. Um he uh, he said, you need to do this deal. You don't understand the scale that's coming. And he explained the cloud to me. And it was still this nebulous cloud, wave, like up in the sky, I don't understand. I'm like, And I'm a nerd. And I was like, I don't get what you're talking about. And, you know. It was really just that first taste of that business coming about, you know. And uh, you know, What it, made you understand it, though? Well, How did they explain it to you? Were you living, like, eating, like and breathing service? it. We're okay. taking all that spare compute and selling it to others. There's going to be compute, their storage, and all to sit in those locations. And we must be at these places of interconnection to distribute it, to meet everybody. Of course, in the back end, we were just the edge at the time. And then uh, with for Terramark, it was the entree into selling and becoming, you know, they became a huge customer, uh, billing millions a month at one point, uh, you know, before I left and before we were acquired by Verizon at the time. And that was a big deal back then. That was recurring revenue, lease stuff. Um, they were actually our very first metered power customer. We were a 
per rack, per whip. All in. We were purely retail colo, like super. Terramark was famous for having the most expensive cross connects in the country because of me. I was like, I was the wall garden. I was militant about it. And and because you could charge a huge premium for those because you knew that to get access to that capacity and energy, you had to pay for the cross. We had built that ecosystem of of networks and then, and had done it so organically and it had held our ground the entire way until all of a sudden, if you want to get to Latin America, that was the only choice. So then the price went way up and yeah, we were able to, able to hold it. That's, you know, Equinix. You were the, on somebody's lipstick hit list, I'm thinking, probably <laughs> 10 years ago. You know what I'm saying? Because you knew your shit to where you were breaking hearts. Keep going. Yeah, it was, it was, for me, it was fun. It was like, it was, everything was a new challenge around the corner. And how do you build an ecosystem from scratch? How do you drive up interconnection revenue? How do you create alternative revenues around it? Uh, we had peering ports. The, the, the only, your peering ports or your fabric and exchange is only as good as the number of ASs and eyeballs and content you have on it. So, and, and at the time, I, it's like, I remember at the time Equinix would drop their price by a thousand bucks a port or something. I'm like, we're $2,000 less the next day, right away. Cause I knew what, I knew what it cost and what our margins sure. were and everything else. And it, it irritated the hell out of them. But yeah, we were just one internet exchange that they always wanted. Verizon came along and bought Terramarket 19 times EBITDA. I stayed on as a key employee for a year. I left to go to Cyrus One, Cincinnati Bell, then we IPO'd Cyrus One. And then Verizon, like they do to a lot of things they acquire, killed it. And they decided to sell it at a discount. And there were multiple bidders. And the finalists were Equinix, who won it, and Cyrus won. I remember being at the other side of the table across from my old colleagues. Were you were you representing Cyrus One? Oh, yeah. Okay. And we had our whole exec team there. Gary was sitting next to me. And I'm texting him under the table. That's true. That's not true. That's true. Because I knew... Because you built it. You knew where the bodies were buried. Every little inch. I Every little thing of that. I drew the first line for that building along with a guy named Candido Suarez. Chose the site. Knew everything about it. So uh, it was interesting because, you know, if you think about the self-sustaining ecosystem, particularly of Napa, the Americas, um, and by no fault of Verizon as the company, but a, of, of a large telecom trying to buy that kind of uh, entrepreneurial entity, it just, they killed it because they couldn't understand what they had acquired. Um, they, they didn't put enough maintenance capital in. They did their, their sales teams didn't understand how to sell the product, everything else, just flaws that happened. Every single data center, they, the, the existing legacy Terramark sites and all of the NFL project sites, there were former MCI WorldCom that they merged into it and everything else. All of that had declining revenue. All of them went down in a data center industry, which doesn't happen. The only one they couldn't kill by their lack of understanding what they had acquired was Napa the Americas, which organically was a self-sustaining engine. The, the beauty of an internet exchange and what grew with it all. Anyway, Equinix wanted it all and picked it up. I wanted my baby back because it would have been so cool to- Sure. It, it would have been, it, it, buying that at the time would have been bad for Terramark because it would have been, it would have been, ex- we, we were powerful enough at the time to do it, but it would have, it would have sagged us a bit because it would have been very, a lot of capital had to go into fixing what, I have to, I would, I would love to get Wojo on the show one day just to hear. Okay, he'll come down. He lives in Dallas. He Listen. lives in, he lives in Park City, Dallas and Palm Beach. So you just got to get him on the yeah. time frame. All he care, all he's doing in those RVs. Yeah, I know. Like, I, I'm watching his stuff on social media. But he's on I, my board. He's on GDS's board. He was on Talon Energy's board. Really? When they went through their bankruptcy, he was a bankruptcy board member. That was his purpose. Very educational for him, but that's a, that's a nuclear reactor operator. So Listen. interesting insight, you know? We know that program. So, yeah. uh, well, listen, let me say this. We're going to have to do another part two. Anytime. To, well, let's, how about like in a month from now, because I'm going to roll out, I'm going to bring on Mark Mills. I'm going to bring How about on. after April 12th, when legislation passes in Maryland, I can comfortably talk about things. <laughs> so, yeah. Hey, you know what? So, that'd be good. Why yeah. don't we do that? And then I want to just kind of poke you a few times, like I did in the beginning of this one. And then you're like a human pinata to me, right? I've always felt like if I could just ask you the right questions and hit you with the right questions. I'll roll. Yeah. Like you'll just unload shit. And it's like a, I, the beauty about why I wanted you on this too is because I speak fast because I'm very passionate about the things that I talk about. Nobody talks faster than me. Dude, There's no way. You make me feel like I may have like, I got to go check the number of chromosomes. But you you could have right? never imagined when you came here that I was going to start spewing that much nuclear shit. There's no way you could have imagined that. I did not think that. a network nerd was going to be able to go high, wide, and deep into nuclear, but it does make sense because that's or, the Or scale. poo water. I'm looking at me. I know about everything about poo water now. Something you know? told me you had a fetish about that a long time ago. 
but I got, I just had a feeling that based on the magnum and the volume and the velocity in which you're expecting to play at as a wholesaler to the wholesalers, you have to speak at that language now and you have to understand that more. So you're almost a filter between a hyperscaler and these, these larger developers. You have to be able to spreck in both sides of the language. You know what I'm saying? Does that we, make? We have to, have to. And it, look, it, we as a service provider, we, we must be involved. I've signed a, a power PPA MOU for over two gigawatts of power that I can't talk about yet, but, but, you know, thinking about the future so that when our customers come to, you know, as they max out the grid and they're like, well, where are we going to get it from? You're like, look what we've provided for you. And we did that five years ago by the time they need it. Like, they're like, my God, you're like our savior. That's our job to be that. So, but you have the difficulty that you have and the empathy that I have for the role that you have as a disruptor of industry is that you have to. You're on an island by yourself with a really big fat brain idea and you will be the savior. But until then, oh, there are a number of people that are paying attention to you, not simply because they want to see you succeed, but because- well, they want to see they, us fail. Yeah, yes. absolutely. So yeah. don't give them a fucking show. Oh, right? no, Just keep doing what you guys are doing. Whenever somebody writes an article and 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 I, I've yelled at editors, I'm like- Why would you, you bother? You are damaging- the industry by by feeding them stories. Come on, this and they're feeding and they're we'll feeding the hype engine. And I'm like, look, man, we what we're doing is the hardest thing. It is the we, hardest. We thing. went nine stories below the bedrock of the Potomac River twice. We are we are 13 stories, 130 feet right now below the Monocacy River, boring the biggest fibering ever constructed in the history of the world. We're big building the biggest campus, the biggest substation ever constructed, and you're going to badmouth us. I mean, all, everything we do is hard. And so it's, whenever it's there's pioneering. a counter narrative that is, it's not, it's got an agenda behind it, then give us the opportunity. Just let us know and, and use a platform to. to where we could have this out because I'll draw it out and let's put it into a one minute to four minute soundbite that you can go shove back to their faces because listen, we look like fools until we make the changes, right? Mm -hmm. And and we are trying to make a mainstream industry, right? Yeah. And to do that, you're gonna have to be willing to look like a fool for a bit until you can be you become that savior too. We're, so just stay the course. We're literally, the way it feels and what we're doing at the scale of what we're doing is like we're plowing a, a virgin farm field and and trying to plant a crop and you know you're writing a whole new chapter to the industry is what you're doing we are, we are. And, and you know I, i'm happy to come back on board anytime you know kirk you're you're 27 minutes from my house i mean it's a strain but you know i can i can <laughs> well, fly I, down since you got a rich white folk problems is fly well, i need to learn how to fly park. a helicopter when i don't right. have key man insurance and right. then i can just you know i can just land on the roof and you know so that like the most important question i wanted to ask you before you left and this is a dead serious question is like if I had to fight Scott Noboom, do you think I could take him? Oh, hell no. No, he's a black belt. You're did dead. You, did you see gigantic. his hands? He's gigantic and he's a black belt. You would die. If he put his hands on my face, I think he could touch his his pinky and his <laughs> thumb around the back end of my head. That's how big his hands were he, as he was. He would beat you up and yeah. he's straight, but he would call you his girlfriend and he would say <laughs> yes. thank you. You know, right. it's, yeah, that'd be it. So like, just to recap what I think you, you said, yes, then you think I could take him? It's, no, not uh, a chance, <laughs> not a chance. He would like, he would, he would flick you with his fingers like nine feet long. I already. walked up to him at one time, like last year at PTC, I walked up to give him a hug and I felt like it was one of Shaquille O'Neal's four-year-olds hugging yeah. him when he was in the NBA still. And his, you know, his man breast was on top of like, your forehead. Me. I was yeah. like, it's so good to see you again, Scott. <laughs> you know, give him my best. I will, um, absolutely. Listen, you guys are doing amazing things for this industry and yes, when you guys are are taking that heat, let's talk about it and let's put it on a Probably. video platform to where you can share that stuff because the chorus sings louder than the soloist. We're in the middle of the fifth industrial revolution. You know that power is the key to everything that we're doing that and a, and a, a very sophisticated labor force. Mm -hmm. And I, I'll take care of the one part, right? Because I have a selfish agenda behind that. But you you have to take care of the other part. And that's why I'm putting you know all these other luminaries of industry. Christian was on, uh, I have... I have five major disruptive change makers that were here during the genesis of the industry all coming in in the next few weeks. And this series should be pretty stacked with everything from where we started to, hey, we have a power problem. Now, now you should do what I would say for another show besides a lot. I'm always happy to come down is bring Christian, sure, myself, and Surreal here. Oh, yeah. So- 
Christian is a Lambo guy, which means he wears a gold chain and has chest hair implants. I, I'm, a, <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm a McLaren guy, which means my car is faster than everybody else's. And Surreal is a Ferrari guy, which means, well, no, I won't say that, uh, but um, yeah. you should bring the three car guys. You guys in. should race. He we, says it. He, hey, listen, not for nothing. He let it slip. I probably shouldn't say, but he may end up shipping his Lambo out here. Oh, yeah. Because he said something about how he wants to smoke that ass. I mean, oh, he may not have said Americas? that last part. <laughs> Maybe I made that part up. Yeah, but like he's he's he may bring his car out, right? Cool. So like, have fun. I I run a group called Track Rats, which is there are crown princes in our group. There's billionaires in our group. There's all nerds. Yeah, and everybody yeah. else. All you rich white folks have. No, no, you'd be surprised. It's it's there, and and it's not about that. There's very wealthy people involved in this. There's, but it's not about that. It's not about the size of your car or your jet or anything yeah. else you have. Everybody's equal. It's about your lap time, and you're not a douche. And there so, because it's an email list, I want to see people, race. Let me let me know. When well, I have a passenger seat, so not only would you want to see, you, you, I want to terrify your mind. You're not going to like watch from the sidelines. Yes, your life will be in my hands, and as you're crying like we'll a baby and dribbling, <laughs> I have it on videotape. Right, we'll so we'll, we'll, thing. we'll put it on the show as your, you know, you your, clearly missed my. Uh, I was doing my own um, stunts at PTC this year, and and in my defense, I was watching a video of Hoist Gracie, which uh, he saw my video and he liked it. So I know that I'm the real deal, but <laughs> Hoist Gracie's sons, a couple of weeks before I was out there, were doing- It could pull. have been the AI Hoist Gracie. You can't I know that care. anymore. You can't he know. He was my favorite in 93 I watched, <laughs> or 94. I think it was 94 when I watched him in the first UFC. Yeah. So um, I was trying to do pull-ups from the helicopter, but because I- On the skid? Yeah. I and mean, I was like, I don't know how this is going to go. So I was telling Scuba Steve, I'm like, you got to lower that boy in case like- I don't want to die. If I'm going to hit face first on the water, it should be at like 30 but feet. Pull up, pull ups is not about your, your back gets tired eventually. Your oh, arms no, no, get it tired. I could pull it's up your all day. hands. Yes. So, 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 so that's the trick. The trick we should have had is like some flesh colored straps and you go, uh, and you're just like, I'm dangling. It doesn't bother me. It can, you know, I pride myself and be able to do a lot of pull ups. I could do some. Yeah. It's, it's always been a big thing of mine. But the thing is, is you do pull ups on a bar when you're trying to do pull ups on a two by four type of thing, like on the skid yeah, of the you, helicopter. You, you don't really have so I rest. and I fell right off of it, and then <laughs> I gave that photo right to my marketing team. I'm like, if you don't make this viral, you're yeah. all fired. Or I was not going to fire them. I would just make them have a job that involves touching poop for a living for a week or something. Yeah. You know, something fun. Yeah, you know, absolutely. but but anyways, listen, Josh, it's always good to see. You. I did not expect it to go so deep on the power stuff, but I'll tell you, like. I'm not surprised a little bit that you could, but let's keep talking about this stuff. And there's other people that need to, like, we need to add momentum to this. So think about the other people that we need to be bringing on that could help Glad rock that. this ship a little bit back and forth so we could tip things over and get the tipping point we need. Yeah, absolutely. You good? I'm good. Thanks, brother. My pleasure. 